This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to City Church U's Knowing God Guided Reading Podcast. We hope you will join us this holiday season as we read J.I. Packer's modern classic, Knowing God. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Knowing God Christmas study. Hope that this is helpful to you guys as you're going through the book. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to email us. You can get our emails at City Church Tallahassee's website. Um, we're, we're starting chapter 11 now, and we're talking about the chapter that is, Thy Word is Truth. And he says a couple things. He says, first, um, we understand that God is king. He's absolute. He's the monarch of the universe. He's ordering all the affairs. He's working out his will and all that happens. So he's all-powerful. And then the second thing is that he speaks, uttering words that express his will in order to cause it to be done. And this is um, something we'll talk about more throughout the book, but that the significance that God chose to speak and that he chose to speak to us and communicate to us as part of how he accomplishes his will. And he says this uh, on the opening as well. He says, um, the study of the second theme, he he talked about how we had talked about God's rule, now we're talking about God's word. Um, The study of the second theme will in fact advance our understanding of the first, for just as God's relations with his world have to be understood in terms of his sovereignty, so his sovereignty is to be understood in terms of what the Bible tells us about his word. So as we think, as we go into this chapter and we think about the significance of the word, why do you guys feel like it's important for Packer and for us in this study to spend so much time just thinking about the significance of God's word in our life? Well, I mean, first, without God's word, um, we, we can't understand him. Like, just simply, we, we can't know who he is. Um, he is just a being out there without his word, but mm-hmm. he is a God who's spoken. I mean, we can actually, the, I mean, the, the beauty of it all is, like, we can actually know him and know who he is through his word. Mm-hmm. And I, that's something that makes us distinctly Christian. Yeah. Is I think a lot of people do think that there's a big, powerful God who, or a force. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of, I guess, God's sovereignty you see expressed a lot in the world today, like all things happen for a purpose. And it's like, well, you can't say that unless something is guiding that mm-hmm. said Who's purpose. Who's purpose? <laughs> like who's guiding these things? And, you know, I think that's a common thought about some sort of, you know, kind of distant God, but something distinctly Christian is that our God has 
spoken and revealed himself to us, you know, so that, that has a lot of weight, I think, for believers. Yeah. yeah. And I just also believe that there, over time, can be complacency just with the, like, how incredible it is that God has spoken to us, that we have his word to read mm. and to reference and to learn of his character and his, and his love and anyway, really all, the nature of God and just how magnificent is that? I think we can just, we lose that in the shuffle or just mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. There's personality to it too. Like to your point, like we can know God personally as well. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it holds relevance for our entire life. Like mm-hmm. you don't read the Bible once and then move on to the sequel, you know, <laughs> yeah. part two or whatever. There's only one. And that ties really well, Amanda, with what we want to talk about as well, where he says on one hand, he, he said, you know, in talking about there's two levels or two purposes on this, he says on one hand, he will enact regulations and laws. Um, and that's, you know, I think a lot, most people think of the Bible, they think of regulations and laws, mm-hmm. which is significant, important, certainly there. But what I want to talk about too, is he says on the other hand, this is on page 110, he says on the other hand, he will make public speeches in order to establish as far as possible a personal link between himself and his subjects. He goes on to say, God is the king, we his creatures are his subject. His word relates both to the things around us and to us directly. God speaks to determine our environment and to engage our minds and hearts. And then uh, two chapters or two uh, paragraphs down, he says, um, the word which God addresses directly to us, like a royal speech only more so, is an instrument not only for government, so law and regulation, but also for fellowship. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we talk about God's word and we discuss learning God's word and understanding it, especially with a lot of the college students that we work with here at City Church, the word fellowship isn't re- tied often with Bible reading and understanding the Bible. Why do you guys feel like there's such a, I guess, a an overlook on the fellowship aspect of Scripture, and what does it look like, I guess, to to seek fellowship with God through His Word? You know, I don't know. I think it may start with just a misconception about Christianity in general that there is a God who has just told us the things we shouldn't do, mm-hmm. for, really, and the things mm-hmm. that we should do, um, and. So for someone from the outside, for a non-believer, or maybe for like mm-hmm. um, a nominal Christian, it can just be a misunderstanding. Um, something a friend said to me a long time ago is how she just, like for her pressing on and trying to reach her family and friends who she loved so much, is she felt really convicted by the fact that like they were missing that fellowship with God, that their life was not colored by a relationship with God Mm -hmm. and that that was the best part. Like, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even about just, just getting them into reading their Bible. It was to help them understand that God wants to have a relationship Mm -hmm. with them, that he delights in them and Mm -hmm. has love for them. And so, you know, the fellowship part is maybe something that we just more think of as um a human thing Mm -hmm. like we have fellowship with our friends we have christian community and well there's fellowship there but then Mm -hmm. we can just um kind of ignore the vertical fellowship that is with god that we each Mm -hmm. have the privilege of um engaging with him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or like i feel like a lot of people and 
previously myself included were inclined to believe that like only like grade a christians get to have this like Mm -hmm. fellowship with god like i just read the bible and i struggle to figure out what it means but like those Mm -hmm. people they get to know god in the bible um i think a lot of it it, of reading scripture feels like we're not fellowshipping because of how it's written i mean it isn't old work it's thousands of years old um, and it means it takes time to figure out how to read it in the way that it's meant to be read and to get the resources um, to help you read it. Like, I don't just read the Bible and know exactly what to think mm-hmm. about it. Like, I read the Bible, then I read books about the Bible to help me understand what these passages that were written mm-hmm. before even Christ mean and, and what they mean about Christ. Um and so it takes a humility in and of itself to reach that fellowship. And you're like, what's a wineskin? Is that like a pork grind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a wineskin. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a great point. And something we were discussing earlier was, I think, just this idea that, okay, like God has spoken, but he just, he just kind of told us what to do, what not to do. He's kind of, you know, sent this into us, but doesn't yeah. really... It's kind of dry. That's it. It's dry, mm-hmm. distant. And um, it's kind of like a checklist Christianity mindset of like, I need to read the Bible because that's what I need to do. And so I need to try to do that daily or, or weekly or whatever. And I think like just missing the fact that like one, like this is the scriptures is a gift. Like it's a gift mm-hmm. from the Lord that we can know him through reading it. But also, you know, that, that, you know, as we're coming to understand these things, like you discussed in the scriptures through first and foremost, reading the scriptures, but also like reading commentaries, listening to the preaching of the word, like having conversations in groups, like we actually begin to understand God and who he is better. And it, we begin to understand ourselves better and the world around us better. And there's a, I remember in my life, I, I spent two or three years feeling like I could never understand scripture. Mm-hmm. And then it started to kind of move for me and be this exciting thing. And there's seasons and, and challenges. I get distracted. I get depressed. I get frustrated. But at the same time, like, it's an exciting thing that we can read and study this book the rest of our lives here on earth and still have more to learn about him. I think when we see it that way, it becomes more of a fellowship piece, too, because God's chosen to fellowship with us through his scripture and in in his word. Um, So I think that another another thing I was going to mention here is uh, Donald Whitney, Dr. Donald Whitney came and spoke at City Church, and he gave a talk on praying the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And there's a book called Praying the Scriptures or Praying the Word. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's by Donald Whitney. And it really does bring to life some of the scriptures, too, when you're praying through them as you're reading them. You're not just reading them like a textbook. Mm-hmm. You're reading them like it's the Word of God that's active, living, breathing, you know. And I think I, I would just recommend to anybody listening to this podcast that maybe is wanting to feel to, you know, to acknowledge the fellowship they have with the Lord through the word, to, to take that book and to take that challenge to go, to go and do that. Um, but I think that that, to me, I think that gets, that gets overlooked a lot. Um, another thing that, that he talks about that I don't think gets overlooked a lot is just how the whole Bible, he says in, in page 112, maintains the insistence that God's word is his executive instrument in all of human affairs. In other words, it's the instrument that God uses to order our life, to order our church, to, it should be at least, you mm-hmm. know, what we use in those things. How do we, how, how does this play out in Christian community? How does, if it's an instrument to order our affairs, what does that mean for the church and for our relationships within it? 
I think it just has to be our point of reference for literally everything. Like there is yeah. no aspect of life, personal life, church life, um, that it does not speak into. And I know um, sometimes we talk about dating, how mm. there's no dating referenced in the mm. Bible, but that doesn't mean, um, that's just an example, mm-hmm. but does not mean that God doesn't, um, you know, give us, he d- doesn't enlighten us through his mm-hmm. word for how to be wise mm-hmm. in dating relationships and what that looks like for the Christian. Um, so I think just knowing that it's applicable to everything. Like I yeah. even think as a newer Christian, as a younger Christian, I didn't, I didn't think that I always needed mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, go to the Bible for, um, yeah, that's or, a good point. Yeah, yeah like you know, the, or thinking it's outdated. Like, oh, it sure. doesn't speak to all these things in my life. It doesn't speak to you because there's not a chapter called mm-hmm. dating. You know, <laughs> like, and you know, I heard the phrase and it stuck with me my ever since I've heard it that we're given the blacks and whites of scriptures to navigate the grays, and the idea that we work from what we know or we work through from what is clear in God's word to discover how we should navigate these things. And mm-hmm. yeah, that that's like the phrase unbiblical. Um, Unbiblical doesn't necessarily mean going against the Bible. It just means it's not directly referenced in the Bible, like hospitals, modern restrooms, air conditioning. You know, just because air conditioning is not mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean we can't partake in using it, you know. Yeah. But we should, as Christians, think about we should work from what's clear and referenced and, and kind of move from there. Um, did you have any thoughts on that, Hank? Um, yeah, I'm still sermon prepping for the Sunday, and one of the things that I've been looking at is uh, Colossians 1.16, um, and at the end it says, all things were created through him and for him. And I've just been thinking about that for him. Um, part of that, like, it, if all things were created through Jesus and they're also all for Jesus, then, like, the way that we really, like, live our lives is by the Word, doing everything for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, it, it really gets... A, if it's His executive instrument in our human affairs, then we really need to know, like, what's our goal? You know, what's what's the end game in all of this if I am to actually, like, live for God and His glory? If I'm mm-hmm. to live... F- if all things are for Christ, I you know, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, miss out on... <laughs> all things being for Christ and then, you know, die and realize I, I missed out on the main thing of life. And so the Word helps us to understand, like, how everything can be used for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think we see in the Bible, you know, we, ta- we talked about how the Bible um, speaks of itself, you know, the theological word, word to self-attestation, you know, to test to itself. Mm-hmm. Um but also, like, we see the authors of the Bible interact with Scripture, and we see, you know, Paul use Scripture. We see Jesus use Scripture. We see that's a significant thing that when we talk about, you know, it's an instrument in all, and you could circle or underline all human affairs, it's not just that we read the Bible to understand how to order our life, but we, we read the Bible in order to understand how we order all of our lives. And there's a significance in Christian community as a church that— you know, this is not just my quote-unquote personal time, you know, with the Lord, but, like, the Bible is given to talk, to actually kind of lay out the parameter of how do we navigate our, what do I do when somebody wrongs me? What do I do when somebody that claims to be a brother and sister in Christ in this church that signed a covenant with the rest of us isn't living up to it? I mean, the Mm -hmm. the Bible 
touches all of that. It spans over all of that. I think that's a significant thing for a college student to grasp too, is we kind of have a mind your business culture of like, you know, you do your thing, I do mine. Well, no, the Bible is speaking over all of that and it encroaches on all of our life and all of our lives rest under it. I think that, um, that's an important thing to take away. And it also is, you know, he has a, 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 the next section here on page 113 says absolute truth. This is a huge blessing too, that in a world filled with competing ideas and hoaxes and all sorts of different things, like we do have this source of truth that we should be excited to not only engage, but excited to use as a blueprint for our life and, and communities. Um, the, the, the last thing I kind of wanted to look at, um, here and I think is is really important. He says this on page 114. He says, as rational persons, we were made to bear God's moral image. That is, our souls were made to run on the practice of worship, law-keeping, truthfulness, honesty, discipline, self-control, and service to God and our fellows. And we, we understand that through his word. And he says this, he says, if we abandon these practices, not only do we incur guilt before God, is often talked about. But he says this, we also progressively destroy our own souls. If we go against what God's word says, if we sin and rebel against him, it's actually not, it not only incurs guilt, but it's also destructive to our souls. Mm-hmm. What is, what are the implications of understanding that about scripture for, for college students? Gosh, yeah, it's such an impactful statement and, um, you know, I think that as we, as we and as college students, um, evangelize and mm-hmm. and and talk with friends and family about their faith whenever that possibility is there, that um, maybe in a way we we can describe to them this and that mm-hmm. we're created this way, we're created in God's moral image and. And that longing that everyone feels, um, he talks, he's talking about our souls. So like in the Mm. deepest part of us, there is a longing, um, and that longing is for God, which, which we know, Mm -hmm. but often people, you know, live lives in opposition to all the things that you just said. And that's because they are longing for something greater for, um, to, to know their purpose. And anyway, it plays out differently in, in people's lives, but just to be able to explain, like, we were made this way for a reason. You know, it's rational. It's God's truth. He gave us his word. It's it's outlined here. Like, let, let's talk about this. You know mm-hmm. that longing that you feel and you feel like your life's falling apart and you still have this sense of, you know, unfulfilled, um, you know, just unfulfillment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that. Yeah, and... Like, I've heard it said before, like, searing your conscience, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's just so many things that happen on the college campus that are just searing consciences, you know, and leaving people, you know, they feel like in the moment this will bring them the most joy. Um, But I think we all know, like, the next day, it, like, just leaves us feeling so empty. Mm -hmm. Like, sin just always leaves us feeling so empty. But, you know, that list of things there in that quote, worship, law-keeping, truthfulness, like these things build up and you mm-hmm. feel it build up in your life. Like mm-hmm. there's an actual difference when you're living not just a morally good life, but a mm-hmm. life that is like in faith towards God and worship towards Him. There's like a actual difference 
there. And like as college students on our campuses here, um, we're blessed to have the opportunity to share that with 80,000 college students, mm-hmm. most of whom don't know the Lord and are searing their consciences every day. But we have the truth of the scriptures mm-hmm. to say, like, there is a better way. Like, God is the way to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And that's what makes it a positive thing where we talk about when God's word reconstructs our life, the way that we think about sexuality, the way that we think about accountability, the way that we think about forgiveness, all the different areas that God's Word shapes our life, all of a sudden it's not just following rules for rules' sake, but it's following God's Word for the good of our soul Mm -hmm. and for our friends and people around us, like you said. You know, we're not just trying to inject inject ourselves in people's personal lives and cause them to be less of themselves and cause them to be less fulfilled and get involved in their sexuality and all the things that we get accused of as Christians. Like we believe that we do have souls and we believe that there are things that we do that not only rack up guilt or incur guilt to use Packer's term, but also are damaging to our souls and who we are. And I think this puts an urgency on Christians to talk about important issues like sexuality and abortion and all of the taboo hot topics of today that Christians often don't want to touch because we believe that real people who have real souls who really matter to God, you know, need to understand his word in order to to see how to live well and to fellowship with him, but also mm-hmm. to see how to honor him. So hopefully this was a, a helpful chapter. We'll be back on the next podcast, diving into chapter uh, 12 as Packer continues to build on.